Hey everyone, and welcome to the first episode of I'll Wait. August is here, despite this episode title, and that means one thing. School starts. If you're a parent, that may be the end of childcare costs or the end of free labor for chores, but for the rest of the world, yes, public parks, malls, and pretty much any popular spot in a city will return to its school time maturity as kids enter their schools. But we're here to talk about teachers and what it's like to be them. How many of us get to know teachers beyond their subject, beyond our quickly fading memories of school days or the parent-teacher conference sessions? Maybe some of us substituted Mr. Feeney or Ms. Frizzle for some of our school memories. But what drives a teacher? What do they love or what still surprises them daily? I'll be interviewing teachers every episode on precisely those topics. But this week, I brought a wild card to interview me because it's only fair. Two of my close friends, Zach and Tim. I'm Mark Hoffman, and I'll wait. So today I have two of my oldest friends I combined. We figured out know me for about 30 years. Well, I'm really bad at math because my math teacher was uh, subpar. So uh, <laughs> 30 it is. Yeah, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary next year. Aww. So yeah, I know. We should hold hands. We should hold uh, hands. Adorable. So Who's got the better insurance? Me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably you. I'll you go ahead. Introduce I, yourselves first. Yeah, so this is Tim. Um, and I have a question that... I've kind of always wondered about teachers. What do you guys actually do over summer break? And I hear the standard teacher <laughs> line, oh, we're lesson planning, or we're teaching summer school, or like doing all this stuff to get ready for the next year. But really, for the whole time, like there's never a time you guys are just like, it's Monday, and I don't want to be sober at 9 a.m. Like what actually happens during a teacher's summer break? You really went for the throat. <laughs> um, so... This summer's actually been one of those ones where I get to say it's been the stereotypical, like, oh, I did professional things. I took a class. I went to a conference in Indiana. I got professionally fulfilled. But uh, there were a lot of video games. I stayed up till 3 a.m. a lot of times and just sat on the couch and uh, thought of anything except for social studies. Nice. So, and speaking of my mom's a teacher, it's pretty much the same thing. I feel like for every three weeks, there's... One week of professionalness, and then you just kind of go back. You're like, oh, man, but August is coming. August mm-hmm. is coming. So like a Game of Thrones, winter is coming, but winter's actually in August, and it's children. <laughs> yeah, Although, to be less. completely honest, this is uh, Zach. Uh, to be completely honest, I would prefer to deal with the, the winter king other than a flock of school children coming back from <laughs> summer vacation. I definitely know which one I would pick, and it is not the children. So. Is it hard for you guys to imagine me actually teaching? Like I, like standing in front of a classroom, composed, in a suit and tie, and actually having to be responsible and like make sure 30 kids do something? Uh, sure. I, I'm going to say I can visualize you standing there. Mm-hmm. I can see you in like a weird bow tie and your funny socks, but I'm so, I cannot visualize you like going through a PowerPoint point by point and actually teaching students. It's just... 
it's just hard for me because I've never really seen you in a teaching context. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I know that you're super involved with histories. We've had debates ever since we've known each other. So like, I know you're intelligent and you're knowledgeable, but like, it's just hard for me to imagine, just like I would imagine it's hard for you to like see me in a suit and tie, you know, running around at my job doing what it is that I do. So like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, uh, it's interesting. I can physically see you standing there <laughs> and I can see some of the goofy stuff you tell me that you do. I can imagine that. Mm-hmm. But like the nuts and bolts of teaching, it's it's kind of weird. It's yeah. kind of weird to imagine you doing that. Yeah. I won't lie. It's weird to do it. You know, to say that I can't picture you teaching, I can't picture you running through a lesson, but the the idea of Mr. Hoffman um, makes makes an awful lot of sense to me. I just... I couldn't tell you, you know, what I would think of, you know, how would Mark approach this lesson plan? No, I, I couldn't do that. But I could definitely see, you know, Mr. Hoffman standing at the, you know, class change looking at children going, what on earth is wrong with you, child? <laughs> I mean, that's that's something that, you know, I could picture, you know, fairly easily. I think I can picture Hoff Daddy Fresh dropping <laughs> some dope beats. That's what I feel like I can envision. Okay. Before we go any further, I need to answer the big looming question of why. Why am I even doing this podcast? Why should you follow these interviews? Again, I think it's it's good to have, especially for the first model for this, to have people that aren't in the profession talk about it. Because initially I'm going to be interviewing other teachers, but I feel like non-educator people need to be able to talk about this too as far as and and this might be a thing that i bring people in like hey if you want to um ask questions about it i think it needs to be a more transparent thing so yeah i bribed you guys with pizza and don't worry guys it was little caesars didn't break the bank on them but (laughs) um, how much shows how much 30 years combined to friendship is worth yeah, exactly. Sixteen dollars. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's important to invite people in because I know there's been so many people I talked to about this that they are teachers are kind of scared about talking about some of the stuff. Teachers have been kind of on defensive for a long time, and so it's like when you talk about career stuff, I feel like some people get a little threatened. Wait, teachers are scared to talk about what they do. Yeah, they are. We usually get the three months off response when we talk about how hard something can be in a classroom or all you have to do is babysit kids. A teenager can do that. Turn on a movie. In Ohio, there have been more budget cuts for schools while more students attend those schools with frequent amounts of standardized testing, which leads to negative press on performance when we have less time to teach. So yeah, teachers get a little hesitant opening up to the outside about what we do. To give perspective, in 2010, Ohio was fifth in the nation for education. Now, as of 2015, 23rd. Wouldn't you be nervous to talk about what you love in your job with those factors? Yeah, I, yeah. That, that did not go lightly whatsoever. That was some, no, it was, that was a whole milk answer. No, no, it was it was a good answer, and I, I think what you said is important, right? Because the type of thing that you do as a teacher um, affects the community at large yeah um, you you do more than just you know teach on a daily basis and give kids lessons and send them to do homework and have them turn in papers what they do in your classroom helps influence how they act in the community mm-hmm. and the way they see themselves and how they shape themselves 
Um, and considering that the community at large, with, as you mentioned earlier, school levies and, and things of that nature, have such an impact on what it is you're able to do in mm-hmm. the classroom, it's important to kind of, you know, make teachers more open to talk about what it is that they do. Because right. I, you know, I don't know that I've ever really had a, outside of talking with you and a couple other teacher friends that I have, like a real one-on-one with like just a teacher about what they see in their profession and, mm. and what it is that they do and the highs and the lows and all it's of those It's a weird things. fraternity. Yeah. It's a very weird fraternity. And you, you definitely, I think it's something that definitely would benefit from being more transparent, um, especially to the community at large. Okay, just a, just a question that I had, um, because you, you see a lot in, especially in, you know, pop culture and it's, it's rare, but you get the you know the cool teacher who doesn't want to be referred to as Mister. <laughs> Does that actually exist, or is that just you know Hollywood having fun? I don't know if they've gone as far as not being called Misters, but I mean, there's definitely the teachers, and like this isn't like bashing. There's definitely teachers that try and take it like a little laid back, and it works until you have to be Mister, like. You'd be like, yeah, I'm the fun. Like, I tried this my first three years of teaching where it's just like, oh, I'm just the, I'm the young guy. Like, I can just, you know, I get you guys. I don't have to do stuff. But then when you're that young guy, you're that young guy. You're that young girl. And then you're like, hey, I really need you to put your phone away. And they're just like, "Mm, no. I found that teachers have this weird mom and dad scenario where a first name is kept from the students and makes you admit the fact that no person likes to admit. It goes as far as I don't know my coworkers' first names. Like, I will literally have to go into an email and look. <laughs> like, I have to click into where it says, like, oh, this is Jane Doe. Yeah. Like, I've talked with coworkers. I'm like, I don't know your first name. Like, when someone yelled your name across the room, I'm like, oh, you do look like a Stephanie. Or, like, when someone calls me Mark at work. It takes me a solid minute to realize they are not talking to a child. Friends are some of the best supporters and some of the best critics. And if they've known you for a long time, have some of the best stories about you. So how does this make you view them when they are entrusted to teach your child? I don't know. So I asked Tim and Zach. So can I teach your kids? Like, is that a thing that you guys, like, if you had kids right now, like, let's say that for whatever reason you are the age we are now, you have 16-year-old kids. Like, not... Yeah. So, how would you feel if I were to teach your kid? Um, yeah, for sure. How weird would that be coming to parent-teacher conferences? Like, you're in the mode where I am, I am the bridge or barrier to your kid passing a grade. See, but I think I would like that because, like, since we know each other, I know, like, I'm getting something straight from you. Mm-hmm. Or at least I would hope. I hope you would not give my child, and I don't think you would... But I hope you wouldn't give my child preferential treatment because we've been friends for X number of years. Right. And I don't think mm-hmm. you would. I think if my son or daughter were messing up in class, mm-hmm. I would expect you to text me immediately. Even outside of like a normal, well, let me call your parents after school. Like and when you have a free like period. change. Yeah, now. like send me a text and <laughs> let me know. Like I, I would definitely Video not. your kid, be like, you see this? Yeah. You see this? Yeah, and I think <laughs> that my kid would probably be on their best behavior in your class in particular. I've, um, I've so, had yeah. parents say that where they're like, if you want to sit down and write me an email, like right now, I actually had a parent suggest that I take video 
of how their child is acting in class. They're like, we'll come in and watch it together. And that made me uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like I'm still young enough that like when the kids gain in trouble, I look at them like, dude, I have been there. I feel like I get nervous of teaching friends kids because like there's that al- there's that alternate responsibility of like I wouldn't give pre- preferential treatment, but the whole time I'd be like real uncomfortable. Like, all right, am I thinking of this kid this way because it's Tim's daughter? Because I expect more because I've known her for years or whatever, or is it because this is actually unacceptable? Because I feel like that's a whole another shade on what I do. Zach has lived this life with a parent as a teacher and growing up in that surrogate moms and dads situation. There, I had to fill you guys in on the background as my mother retired in the district that Mark and I went to school in Woo. as uh, as a middle school teacher for I believe it was thirty years. Um, I had my mother as a teacher. I had my godmother as a teacher. (laughs) I also had people that have known me since I was born as administrators. Yeah, you're kind of living that that story. uh, You know, things like that. And there there were definitely some some positives to that. But there was also just this weird factor of, I'm fairly certain some of my teachers may or may not have changed my diaper at one point. (laughs) That's real. Yeah, that's real. That's, real, real that is super to, weird. I don't want you to just move to, past uh, that. Actually. I will request, actually, yeah, I will request not to teach your guys as kids. I asked my friends why they didn't end up in education, and Tim brought up something that I never thought about patience. But, and, and another thing is, I don't know that I have what I think is just the pure mountains of patience that a teacher has to have to deal with all of the things that go into being a teacher. And that's, you know, from not just the student's perspective, but as somebody who, you know, works in the state legislature, I see the hoops we make you all jump through and and all the burdens that we put onto teachers. Um, and I know sometimes you guys got to be like, where is this coming from? Like, <laughs> do you guys know anything about education at all? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It's like you've been in a meeting. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I just don't think I have the patience for, for being a teacher, though it has been something I think I've always been interested in and, and something I definitely do admire. But I, I think one of the things that you brought up, Mark, about teachers having more patience. In middle school, seventh grade, we had a teacher who I'm going to call Mr. Dave. Mr. Dave. Um, that's not his name, but we're going to call him Mr. Dave. Um, if it wasn't his first year teaching, uh, I definitely couldn't tell. He was a young uh-huh. guy, um, probably mid-20s, and he showed our class the slightest bit of weakness that first day and for the remainder of the school year i mean kids just demolished this poor Mm -hmm. dude i mean they would take the tracking ball out of the mouse so he couldn't use his mouse oh he they would still dating us right yeah he would they would take my laser i know they would steal the w's off his keyboard so he couldn't type www dot something (laughs) Um, he would, uh, he would get up to go yell at someone on the other side of the room and kids would then walk up to his desk and then he would have his like grade book open and they would just start typing in grades. But I mean, like they, they were ruthless to this poor guy. And I mean, like he just kind of took it and like, 
I, I mean, he definitely could have been more forceful. Sure. So where do you go when a class has stolen all of your W's and your rolly ball? Well, some yell at me. I'm really bad at it. Even my cats ignore me when I yell. I prefer reading Teddy Roosevelt's biography above the chaos for attention. So what happens when you do yell? What makes that teacher come back? I think that's what keeps me motivated though, is that like kids offer you a ton of grace. Like we remember all of the times when ki we drove our teachers crazy, right? But the times, yeah. the times ooh, that, ooh, I, yeah. yeah, I can see what you're thinking. Ooh, the times that though, that we gave them respect though, those are times that like sustain a teacher, right? And I feel like for me professionally, um, that's really what pushes me from all the times where it's like, you'll always have knuckleheads. You guys have knuckleheads at your job, right? Oh, well. Don't even get me started. Yeah. Right. But I mean... When you go home, yeah, you'll talk about them for a second, but, like, when you go back in, it's the same thing of, like, when you have the coworker that's, like, on it. My, and it's, like, I have coworkers, but the weirdest part about this job is, especially as high school, I have 30 different coworkers every 50 minutes, only for 180 days. Like, it's like if you're on a project and you have to work on it all year, which politics, that pretty much is it. And, yeah. I mean, I know your stuff is seasonal, but it's, like, that is so strange to me that, and they're also my bosses in a way, right? Sure. Well, I think Tim is a little closer to you in that regard because if I don't like people and I have those knuckleheads, I can fire them. <laughs> I, I mean, I that, can, that option I, doesn't work in, in I can't fire being a teacher. Them. No. Yeah. I, that would be very interesting. Legally to, you legally cannot know, do that. You know, to see how that plays out, but uh, that's, that's not an option for yeah. guys, which... Uh, has, has got to complicate things. Well, while we're on the uh, topic of students, this is a question that I had, and it might be tricky, so give it your, your best shot, uh -huh. but uh, is there, because there are so many different types of kids from different backgrounds who have different things going on, is there an ideal type of student or kid you want to teach, and if so, what is that type? That's a good one. Um... That is a great question, Mr. Johnson. I don't know if there's necessarily an archetype I like to teach. Um, there's definitely personality traits that come across where it's like if someone's if someone's open to joke around. I think that's for me. Mm -hmm. It's it's if someone can take a joke and give it back. I really appreciate that. As far as there are so many uncomfortable moments that people can cover with a joke. Where if someone like if someone comes in, they're a mess. Like they're an absolute mess. Their day is bad. Their class before this was terrible. If they are open to having a joke and they are open to giving it back, I think that's my ideal. I feel like if you don't have a sense of humor, I have personally I have a real hard time relating to you. Sure. Like if I just start joking around, and maybe I'm just not funny. And I mean you addressed it, but I think because kids come with so much different stuff, I don't know if there's if there's actually an archetype. And, and, and I think that's kind of key, you know, no matter what it is you're doing, you know, to be able to relate to your students and, and to be able to joke with people that you work with. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely get that. I was definitely the type of student who joked around constantly yeah. in school. And the teachers I liked best were either the ones who would let me do that or ones who could give it back to me right. even better than I gave it to them. Finally, knowing me for so long, it has to be hard picturing me in front of a class, right? 
I've played hours of video games with these guys, been absurd and ridiculous, and I've even been that student who got sent out of the class a couple times. So that begs the question. What specifically can you not picture me doing as a teacher? Okay, class, open your books to page 53. Um, who wants to explain to me what, you know, the reign of terror was all about and how it brought the rise in Napoleon? I, I, I just have a, hard, <laughs> I have a hard time seeing you doing that with students. I know we could talk about that, yeah. but it's just really hard for me to like just see you be that professional. I'm sure that there's bits of humor sprinkled in there and in all sorts of fun Lame stuff. Lame You know, but it's it's that, you know, actually the lecturing part mm. of teaching. I just don't know that I've ever seen you do that, so it's difficult for me to imagine you doing that. It's it it's, you know, and and I think discipline too. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard for me to imagine you like raising your voice when a, a child has gone a step too far, whatever that step may be, and being like, you know, Susan, sit down and give me your phone, or, you know, I don't know your kids' names, but like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine definitely the discipline part as well, because just knowing you, you know, you're, you're like a more funny, kind of sarcastic person, and I can see you using that to get kids to comply, but when that doesn't work, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, mean Mr. Hoffman. It's weird. It's a real weird because I don't, I can't even imagine myself disciplining. When I have kids, I feel like I'm going to be ready. <laughs> like, I'm going to be ready. throw that out there, though. You are not ready for the time that, you know, payback for that $16 worth of pizza. We show up with pixie sticks and puppies and just leave them there. Yeah. And you got to deal with the fallout. Uh, I'd love to have a puppy. <laughs> but with two kids and pixie sticks, I don't know if you're ready for that life. That actually sounds like a great The life. kids eventually go to school. <laughs> it could be some other teacher's problem. Yeah. Um, I'll actually I'll give a kind of a weird example here. I, what I cannot picture you doing is the, at least when I was a student, I thought felt was the ultimate teacher cop-out of turn to, turn to the beginning of chapter seven and then starting at, you know, whatever row it was. And because we always sat in alphabetical order, I was pretty close to the top. And one of my one of my deepest darkest fears is public speaking or public reading, and going. All right, we're gonna alternate by paragraphs because to me that is the laziest cop out <laughs> teacher move on the planet. Because you know, you know, looking back on it, I think a lot of my teachers were hungover <laughs> because I don't were. really see any you know educational rationale for using that tactic in a classroom other than. Please, God, just give me some peace and quiet. Okay, so this may not have answered all of your questions about teaching, maybe even about me. But don't worry, I've got more teachers lined up to lift that veil for everyone, for better or for worse. Here we are, waiting. And with that, this has been a moderately a accurate podcast about teaching. Definitely moderately is the correct word. I, I feel that's a uh, that's a winnable goal. That's a winnable goal. If we can be if we can be fifty to fifty one percent of anything. Yeah. We're yeah. Ra- rounding up. We've won. I'm kind of proud of us. I won't lie. I'm proud yeah. of us too. I'm very proud of us. Good job, guys. Oh, well, we, uh, we try occasionally. Yeah. This has been Ari Shapiro. Hi, this is, uh, oh God, I'm gonna, this is Razia Iqbal with BBC World Service signing off. This is Mark Hoffman, and I'll wait.
I'll Wait is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Hoffman. Editing assistance by Lauren Ash. Music written by Bryce Wood. For more by Bryce Wood, go to bugwolf.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to Tim Johnson and Zach Bolden. We'll be back in three weeks for our next episode. Find us on SoundCloud and rate and subscribe on iTunes. Questions? Email owlwaitpodcast at gmail.com. Website and email can be found in the episode description. Thanks for waiting.